and welcome to Beyond the Properties, the podcast that brings amazing stories of the people within the vacation property space. No matter whether it's hosts, photographers, content creators, if they've got a good story, they'll be on the podcast. Beyond the Properties is brought to you by Direct Vacation Bookings, the solution that allows you to take direct bookings quickly and easily. Not only will we create an amazing direct booking website for you, but also maintain it so you can do what you do best, hosting. Sign up at directvacationbookings.com to find out more. And with that said, I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and let's get into another amazing episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. And today I'm super excited to have Addy on from the Ely Cabin Collective. I got there. <laughs> I got there with the British accent. Sometimes it's a bit difficult, but uh, how's it going? It's going well. Excited to talk to you today, Jared. For sure. I think we just spoke about it a second ago. I uh, I listened to you on another podcast. And while I was actually listening to the podcast, I was messaging you saying, I need you to come on the podcast. So I'm actually super, super excited to have you on. But um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't, doesn't know you... Um, yeah, give us a little little introduction. Uh, who who is Addie? Well, hi, nice to meet you all. Uh, my name is Addie Wales, and I am from Minnesota. I own the Ely Cabin Collective, which is located in northern Minnesota. We started out with our original log cabin that we purchased about three years ago, and we loved it so much that we decided to expand our cabin collection, and we built a brand new modern cabin called Aurora Cabin. Um, last summer nice and so I actually I love the story that I heard you tell about how you got into all of this so could you give us a quick 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 like introduction how you got into cabins in the first place because it's actually a a super interesting story I liked you talking about your childhood you were always an entrepreneur yeah well thanks for refreshing my memory I don't know exactly what story you heard so I need to make sure my story is consistent (laughs) but (laughs) Um, so I, yeah, I grew up in Ely, which is a very small town in northern Minnesota. It's about 3,000 people. And that is where my parents still live. That's where my uncle lives. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. So he is where I got a lot of my entrepreneurial spirit from. He's a realtor. Um, so he would talk to me about when I grow up, I'm going to be a realtor, (laughs) all these things. And I was never fully convinced, but now somehow I found my way to real estate in a little bit different form and fashion. Um, And then my uncle is also an entrepreneur. He owns a classic photo business. He sells historic photos online. So I would help him with packing and preparing and just managing the day-to-day of his business. I started doing that at about seven years old. Um, But he is where I got a lot of inspiration from because he built his own log cabin from the ground up. So it's, I mean, super impressive what he's built. It's an absolutely beautiful property. Um, We didn't exactly do that, but he did help us find our log cabin, and then we renovated it and turned it from a rustic hunting shack into a luxurious um, Northwoods log cabin short-term rental. Nice. And the story about how you actually ended up buying the place is actually quite interesting as well. How did you how did you end up buying the were you were you always planning on buying somewhere or was it just like, you know, it kind of something good came along, a really good deal? Yeah, it wasn't um like a super set in stone plan, but my husband and I had been kind of like thinking and dreaming about one day we'll have a cabin, one day we'll have a, our own place in Ely that we can go to and make it our own and have our own space to get away to. Um, and this cabin kind of just fell into um, the opportunity aligned and it fell into our laps during COVID. It was in September of 2020. Um, so it's about a mile away from my uncle's cabin that he built and it's on the same road and he actually knew the neighbor. It was just kind of a hunting buddy of his and this this guy who sold who sold it to us had built this amazing log cabin just as his hunting shack and he wasn't using it all that often anymore because um his family just kind of had a different cabin and different changes in life for him so 
he was kind of casually looking for a buyer, and he mentioned it to my uncle, and my uncle told us about it. So we went up and looked at it, and it was just so gorgeous. We we could like see the potential, and we knew that it would be a really fun creative outlet. And I mean, during COVID, it was the right timing, and it was really a really good deal. So we went for it, and. I'm super glad we did. It's been a lot of work, but it's a really fun and rewarding project, and we love hosting guests. No, it's very cute.、Um, I always say this to every single person who comes on because we tend to get a lot of people who have really nice cabins. So I always tell people I'm originally from London, so I was never really a cabin person, but slowly over time, as I've got older, I think I've started to appreciate it more. I think as life has got more hectic with Everything I feel like cabins has been a lot more attractive to me, especially places that you can go on the weekend or places you can just go and just relax. And there's no mobile phones and all this stuff. Because I, I was meant to ask about this. So you call your cabin like an an off grid? Is that what you call it?、Cabin? Yeah. So、um, different people define off grid in different ways, but I think. The technical definition, or the definition that I use, is it means you're not hooked up to any city utilities. So we don't have any、yeah. power or well or water or septic、um, from the city. So we,、um, when we purchased the log cabin, we put in our own well and septic, and then we got a solar system. Ah, okay, I get what you're saying. Because I think when I think off the grid, I mean. No one can contact me. I'm completely out of it. And I originally thought that's what you meant, but that makes sense as well. We actually spoke to someone from. They have a cabin in New Hampshire, which have the same thing, where they had to build the septic themselves and all that stuff. But、um, yeah, I'm assuming your place is. If I wanted to come and relax, I'm assuming your place and have no mobiles. No people emailing me. I'm assuming your cabin would be a really good place to go, no? Yeah, absolutely. And Ely is、um, really big on camping culture. It's a big, a big tourist camping town. But our cabin is a nice, a nice option for people who don't necessarily want to put in all the work to plan a full-on camping trip, and they just want to get away and unplug and spend some time in nature. Like it really is the real deal. You get that full nature immersive experience, but. It's a lot easier and a little bit more luxurious. Nice. So it's very different from London, then, where it's hectic.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and in terms of, so if we roll back to the start, so when you first saw the the property, you knew that obviously that you were going to do some renovations. But was it always the plan to? Was it more of the plan to have it for yourselves, or was it always the plan to kind of you know have it as a vacation property for people? Yeah. When we first looked at it, I think it was just. Kind of the plan to have it for ourselves, but then very quickly I got the idea that it would be fun to share with other people. And when I get an idea, I just charge full full on ahead. So <laughs> there wasn't really an opportunity to turn back or slow down. Okay, because I think it's super interesting. I think a lot of people I've spoken to actually have said that where like it started off as kind of like more of a passion project. I want to do this for myself, and then naturally. It kind of leads into becoming a vacation property because it's very attractive because it looks really nice, but also you're probably not there all the time. You don't live there, so it's the ability to be able to, you know, also you know pay for the mortgage and all that stuff. So I think it's super useful for that. Did it affect how you like? How early did you decide that you wanted to make it a vacation property, and did that affect kind of how you? Decorated it and stuff like that. Yeah, I think within the first six months. So we bought it in fall. We closed in the fall,、um, and we knew that it was going to take a little bit of time to kind of get everything ready. And we didn't want to do all that work during the winter. So we actually had long-term renters for the first six months. I mean, they they are super tough. They lived in an off-grid cabin in the woods for six months,、um, which I don't think I could personally do. But、um, when they moved out in April, that gave us the whole spring to kind of turn it over and make it ready. So I think it took us like two or three months of going up every weekend in the spring, and then we had it ready for the big summer rush. I think Memorial Day weekend was when we had our first renters. Okay, nice. And then how was that process from when you guys decided, okay, we're going to do this, to then actually, you know, decorating it and then. I'm assuming you started off with Airbnb first.、Um, yeah, so we did start with Airbnb.、Um, I think 
the process just happened very quickly. I started listening to one of the other short-term rental podcasts, the Thanks for Visiting podcast, and I learned a ton from Annette and Sarah. Um, I think if it weren't for them, I really would have been a lot more lost as I got started. Um, but the two, but they just like presented the idea that like this is a real business, and if you want to make money, you can, but you need to do everything legit and do everything right from the start. Um, so once I started learning, I just got so energized and um, so excited and I wanted to make it, I mean, the the best, the best short-term rental in Ely. And I think just once we started hosting our first few guests, I would ask them, do you have any feedback? Um, this is something I would suggest to new hosts. Like, do you have any feedback? Is there anything we could do to improve the stay for future guests, please let us know. Like we're working, we're trying to be the best host that we can be. So we really appreciate your feedback. Nice. No, for sure. And I guess it must, I guess, be a bit daunting if it's one of those things you've never done before. So getting feedback must be super helpful because, you know, people obviously give you probably, hopefully, constructive criticism so that you know kind of, okay, we need to do more of that and more of this. So no, that was a super smart way of doing it. And then one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on the podcast is you started talking about direct bookings. So obviously that's something which I'm very, you know, heavily involved in. How did that kind of journey from, I guess, starting with Airbnb to then moving towards also doing direct bookings? How did that, how did that come about? Yeah, I think we used Airbnb and VRBO, um, Verbo, for probably about the first year. And then I started to get guests saying that they wanted to come back. And it didn't really make a lot of sense for me to, um, to you know, have repeat guests book through Airbnb. Um, so I thought that direct bookings would be a nice way to be able to offer a discount to our guests. And then the other big thing is that Airbnb actually cuts off communication. I think it's after about three months they remove all of the messages, they remove all the contact info. So it makes it really hard to actually book guests on repeat. Um, so I just, you know, I would like try and write down all these guests' information, email and phone number in an Excel spreadsheet. And it was getting really um, messy and hard for me to organize. So I knew that I needed to find a tool to make it a little bit easier. Um, and I think initially I started looking for a channel manager because I wanted to be able to find something that would let me update my pricing and my calendar on, um, you know, between Verbo and Airbnb and just do that in one place. So I started looking at channel yeah. managers and then realized that, oh, okay, you can you can find a software that's also a direct booking platform. Um, so it'll kind of just solve all of my problems and um, be nice a nice way for guests to save money as well. Okay, nice. So originally it started off with people coming to you and asking to come again. I think normally most people I work with, that's kind of what happens. Uh, either they have that or they have people coming to them through social media and saying, hey, I'd love to book, but I don't want to do it through Airbnb. Is there another way to do it? And a lot of the time they're like, well, I don't, but yeah, it would be nice to do direct bookings. So once you kind of started going on that journey, kind of what what was the kind of learnings from it? Because I know the good thing about direct bookings, obviously you can make more money, your guests can potentially save more money as well. But there is normally a bit of a learning curve. And I think it's also about expectations. I think a lot of people think it's going to be like the people will come, but there is work that you have to do. Um, I guess it becomes easier over time once you get all the processes in. But how was that going from kind of, I guess, zero to where you are now? Yeah, so we started to grow an Instagram following from the very start. Um, like when we were just doing the renovations on the cabin, um, we were just sharing that on Instagram and people were following along. And so we were building our own following. And, and from that, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me, you know, why have someone book on Airbnb and send Airbnb 20% when like we're bringing in this lead? I think like the purpose of Airbnb is to be a lead generating platform. Um, yep. So yeah, I wanted to like, I think if someone is planning to do direct booking, it makes sense for them to have like to get their lead generating um, tactics in order first. So whether that's 
Instagram or email or another channel. Um, Start there. And then once you have a following there, then you can provide that direct booking option for people. No, for sure. I think most of the people we tend to work with tend to have some type of Instagram following. Um, And yeah, I've been seeing this more and more with people. And I think if there is anyone who's kind of, you know, starting a renovation or starting a property from scratch, people love watching renovations and seeing us from scratch. And I feel like people really invest in it. I don't know what your experience was with that, but like people get really excited. I guess it's like watching a child grow up. It's like they get really invested in it. Is that kind of what you what you found when you were posting about it? Yeah, absolutely. I tried to bring people along on the process. So I would do like little story polls. What do you think? What color should we paint this? Or um, what couch do you think would look better? Um, And people do, like you said, like they get really invested. And then I think it makes them a lot more excited to like share in that journey. And then eventually like they save up and they save the date and then they finally get to come and stay. No, for sure. I think it's, uh, yeah, even I've been kind of finding myself getting pulled into that because you do, I guess you get to see every single step and it's a great way to be able to build up, I guess, even before you have anything to really, you know, an end product to show you're able to start getting followers and you know maybe they might not be the first people to stay but maybe in a year six months whatever um i think the thing about direct bookings is that it is something that takes time um you might send an email to your email list and you might not hear back from anyone for a while and then someone might come along in three months and be like hey now i'm ready to book so I think that's a really smart way of doing it. What is your, what's your background in, by the way? I know you said you're an entrepreneur, but what did you, what were you doing before the empire of capital? Yeah, I am a marketing consultant. I still have my day job in marketing. Yep. So <laughs> consulting other clients on this exact thing. Um, and then like one of the other really cool things about having my own direct booking site is that I have my own website and I personally just used GoDaddy and they have all their own built-in SEO things. But I think that's a really cool benefit of someone getting to work with you is that, you know, you are an expert in all of those areas that, you know, if they're not already a marketing expert. So um, your website can be your own traffic driver as well. Um, We've actually gotten quite a few inquiries and bookings recently just just finally this year after having our website for about a year um people who said they just found us through seo because i've been starting to blog a bit too and trying to optimize my website for organic search ranking so that's really exciting to know that our website is um doing some work for us as well no no 100 percent, and i think it is a process that takes time but the good thing is that I always think of it as like kind of pushing a boulder up a hill, pushing it up is quite, it can take quite a lot of effort, but once it starts rolling, the hope is, is that, you know, you are getting repeat guests where you send them an email after they've stayed and said, Hey, I'd love you to, we do direct bookings. If they come through Airbnb or VRBO and say, Hey, next time you come, here's a discount of what, 10, 5%, whatever it is, we'd love for you to come back or pass that on to one of your friends. And then it's kind of, you know, it allows people to be more interested in coming back because I think Airbnb, VRBO, they're all, they're great platforms. And I think, of course, they have their place. But I think slowly it's becoming more and more expensive. And I was literally talking to someone recently about the fact that like, you do give up a lot of control of your property by putting them on these platforms because um it was actually i don't know if anyone knows it but it's uh, called area 55 and it's basically a property that's in the desert and they got taken off airbnb for some reason and they are booked up like two years in advance so for them they were scrambling after to uh try and get more try to get their bookings back and you know Airbnb negotiating with them to resolve the issue can take time so I think what you did was very smart I think it's about I wouldn't say anyone to just rely on one way of getting bookings because for example if your website goes down you want to be able to get people in if your Instagram gets hacked you still want to be able to get people in so I think that's just an important important thing that a lot of people are starting to realize more and more the deeper they get into it 
um, what was because obviously your background's in marketing and I, I, I had a feeling you were in marketing because <laughs> I could tell from the things you, even the way you were thinking about doing direct bookings I could tell um, what are some of the things that you found that have been like particularly good for getting people in because you have, get quite a decent amount of direct bookings don't you? Yeah, I think our direct booking is about 50%. And then the other almost 50% is Airbnb. We get almost none through Verbo. Um, so I didn't even bother putting our new modern cabin on Verbo. Um, yep. Yeah, so some of the tactics, I mean, I think Instagram, well, it's been a huge, huge traffic driver for us. It's probably the biggest. Um, we work with a lot of influencers on Instagram, and that's just how we've how we've um, grown there. And then doing giveaways as well. I think the giveaways are really fun. They get people excited. Um, you do have to be a little cautious with them these days because there's these um, spam spam accounts that will try to impersonate you, and they'll send people messages and try to get credit card info so that kind of ruins the fun sometimes but yeah those are the two ways that we've grown our instagram and then um just using instagram intentionally to drive traffic so like putting links in stories that that's a huge help and like giving people a call to action in every post helps as well have you been looking to take direct bookings but don't know how or where to get started Well, look no further than Direct Vacation Bookings, your ultimate solution to hassle-free direct bookings. We create beautiful direct booking websites that have all the features you need to make taking bookings quick and easy. Want to allow guests to check availability and book directly through you? We got that. Want to be able to have automated calendar syncing so you don't have to worry about double bookings? We got that as well. Want to be able to sell additional services at checkout so you can make more money and upsell your guests? Of course. And the best thing about it is not only will we create the website for you, but we'll help you maintain it too. So you can do what you do best, hosting. To get a demo, contact us at directvacationbookings.com or alternatively, you can drop us a DM on Instagram at directvacationbookings and set up a demo today. Yep. Nope, I can see that you are in marketing. I I was literally writing a guide this weekend about... um, how to get more direct bookings and exactly what you said is I think some people think they can just make a website and people will turn up but people need it's like having a shop down a alleyway if there's no way of people knowing that it's there then you know no one's going to turn up but if you're even if it isn't an alleyway if you're finding ways to be able to drive people to it then it's great so I think those are, are super good. In terms of the giveaways, because I've been seeing this um, a lot, do you tend to partner with people to do that? Because I've seen a lot of people, they'll partner with influencers and they'll do it through that. Or t- do you also do them just separate? On yeah, your own? I've found them to be the most successful when I partner with someone else, especially if it's an account yeah. that's bigger than mine. Um, but it does need to be intentional. So for us, like having local niche Minnesota travel bloggers helps is the most successful um and i really love the collaborative posts on instagram like anytime you can boost organic reach that way it's just it's it's a good move (laughs) no no 100 percent. i the funny thing is and i think it's because i don't know if you ever had this when you were a kid they'd have like where you'd have to like call in or send your letter in and you would get something like you'd be on like the back of like a cereal box or something and I never thought I would win so I never really do these giveaways (laughs) because you're right there's a lot of beautiful properties out there like yours that do these you know what I need to start doing them because normally there's a few steps right and I'm normally like eh, it's not gonna be me but you never know it might be me that one time that's so funny because I since I was a kid I've always entered giveaways so it started with like Ah. the local radio station calling in like while driving to school in the morning (laughs) and I would always win them and I think just the more you enter the higher your chances get because I enter giveaways all the time I have like a few friends that I tag and I'm imagining they just roll their eyes every time I tag them but my (laughs) husband makes fun of me because I actually win so many giveaways and he gets to benefit from it so I think he needs to stop making fun of me for entering giveaways (laughs) He should definitely stop making fun of you for that. I wish I had your luck. You know what? You're right. To to win it, you need to be yeah. in it. So next time there's a giveaway, next time your guys are doing a giveaway, I'm going to be there. You're going to see my name first That's one good. immediately. 
no, I uh, yeah, I think I think they're great for marketing as well. Like you said, it's great because it's kind of a collaborative thing as well, and um, yeah. So, so in terms of the experience, has I know you said you've got some of the spam stuff, but has the experience in general, like the guests who come and stay, has it been very, like, very positive in terms of? That? Yes, um, yeah. The overall experience with giveaways is really good. So lately, I have started. Um, so the basic requirements to win are to like the post and comment, and then for additional entries, you can share it to your story. But then lately, I've been asking a few more, like, here's some additional, here's some additional, and people actually do it. Um, so those new ones that I've added on are join our email list at the link in our bio, yep. and then Smart. add us to your Airbnb to our add us to your Airbnb wish list, um, and that one just helps us boost our search rankings in Airbnb. So I think any okay. sort like it's it's your giveaway, you get to choose what the rules are. So. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask and see what people do and, um, yeah, see how it goes. <laughs> no, for sure. And in terms of tracking all this, how easy is it to, because I guess the more stuff there is to track, the more difficult it will be. But how, how do you normally check that there's not people just doing one of the things? Or Yeah, know? there's some different apps out there that you can use to track yeah. it. Um, yeah, I mean, the bigger it gets, it's kind of impossible to do it manually. So I don't remember the names of the apps off off the top of my head. But yeah, I usually just Google and find one that's relatively free or affordable. Okay, nice. And for someone who is starting, I guess, to do direct bookings, I know you recommended a few things, but what, what are some of the things which you, if you were going back and talking to yourself when you first started, what would be kind of, I guess, let's say three things that you'd be like, Definitely do this immediately. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a channel manager or a direct booking widget software, I would just make a list because they're all different. And there's, I mean, I'm sure they're all great. I know some people get really hung up on not doing it because they can't decide which one to use. Um, (laughs) So I would just make a list of like, what are your top three priorities or features that you want? And then like a cost, a cost comparison and see see which ones offer what you need at the most affordable rate. Um, so we ended up going with Logify. Um, and I, I've i liked them. I think it was a little bit harder to learn at, at the start, but their um, customer support is actually like very excellent and very helpful. So I was able to learn everything that I needed to know. Nice. And did you, I'm assuming you built the website your, yourself because from what I could see, you have the website and then it kind of goes to Logify. For yeah, the so they do offer um, a very basic website option. I wanted to have a lot more like flexibility and functionality with my website. Mm-hmm. So I built it myself and that gave me the opportunity to have a blog um, and optimize for my own SEO and then also have a separate page to... Um, offer my consulting services and basically anything else that I dream up, I can create a page for it. So I have a lot more flexibility with having my own website. No, hundred percent. I think I was super smart because you're right. A lot of them do have, they're not necessarily, they do offer direct booking websites, but that's not their main business. It's kind of like a nice mm-hmm. to have. So smart for you to kind of, because then you have the ability to decide if you want to put videos in, you can do that. If you want to have a blog, you can do that. So yes, that is super smart. And I heard that you said that you do consulting. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I offer short-term rental marketing consulting um, for anyone who is getting started. But my specific areas of expertise are off-grid. So if you're looking to do solar power, um, if you're in Minnesota and you're trying to get licensed and you're trying to navigate your local county and state rules and regulations, or if you need help um, getting all of your marketing up and running. So that's for Instagram, email. um, Yeah, those. so kind of those three things in particular um, I'm able to help people with. Nice. And what what is because I uh, I've been delving into this a little bit. What is the rules looking like in Minnesota at the moment? Because I was talking to someone recent. I know in New York they just did a massive lockdown on Airbnbs. Um, I was talking to a customer in Canada. They've been having some issues. So 
it seems to be something that's really, you know, it's a big deal at the moment. Yeah, it really varies county by county and town by town. Um, for example, in the town of Ely, there are um, different rules than where we're at. We're in Eagle's Nest Township, which is just a little bit on the outskirts of the town. So we have different rules. But um, I am on the short-term rental board for the Eagle's Nest Township, and we are um, almost a year through our one-year moratorium that they put on. Um, luckily, we were grandfathered in, but um, we meet every month, and we talk about how we would potentially want to put an overlay district on top of the county rules and regulations. Um, and I think this is all going to come to a conclusion here um, in the next couple months or so. It's a, it's a slow process. But yeah, I would say anyone who's looking to invest, like it's better to invest in a place that already has their rules and regulations in yeah. order because then, then you know what you're getting into. Yeah. When did these rules come into place? Because I feel like it's recent-ishly. I feel like after COVID, I feel like it's because so many people were traveling that a lot more places started being like, um, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. I was originally, I'd lived in Barcelona for a few years and they'd been doing that way before. But I feel like in the, in North America, it started to be a lot more a lot more regular. Yeah, I think our county in Minnesota was around 2020 when they developed their rules. Um, so right around the time when we were trying to get licensed, we kind of uh, dealt with the growing pains of their government organization, like figuring out what their actual rules were. Um, for example, their insurance regulations were dang near impossible to comply by. Like I reached out to 20 insurance companies and they all said, nope, we don't offer anything up to $2 million. Like, $1 million is standard. I don't know why your county is asking for $2 million. It makes no sense. Um, so it was a lot yeah. of back and forth with the county. I have so many, so many emails. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm glad that's in the past. So you came onto the board after this. Well, so then our township decided that they wanted to get their fingers in the pie and put an additional overlay on top of the county rules. So now we have state, county, and township regulations to comply by. It's not impossible, but it is um, challenging to navigate. You have to do your research. So nothing too complicated then is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) Fair, fair. And to roll back, actually, because this is actually interesting, and I've always... I'm always interested about this. So one of the things that people are a little bit wary about or people like using Airbnb for is that you've got air cover. So in terms of with your direct bookings, I'm assuming that you just have some insurance that you've taken out to kind of cover all the any situation that could potentially happen. Yeah, we use proper insure. They're short-term rental specific. So they are homeowners. And then on top of that, they provide the liability. So I think they have up to a million dollars in liability. So it would be no different than air cover. Um, Honestly, I do have a personal experience with working with Airbnb's um, insurance claims, and it was not an easy feat to navigate. So I don't have a lot of faith in that anyways. No, uh, I was reading up about that recently. And I think what people think air cover is and what it is, is actually two different Mm -hmm. things. And if you do actually read the terms and conditions, they do tell you, even if you're on the platform, to go out and get your own insurance as well, because it only covers a small amount of stuff. Um, in terms of that story, did, did it at least have a good ending? Yeah. So this was at our um, our home in the in Minneapolis, St. Paul area during the Super Bowl. Whenever whenever that was here, I don't know, like six years ago or something. But we. So this is way before we were actually super hosts at our cabin, but we were brand new and we didn't know what we were doing. And we had our property listed and we rented to some guests who like basically trashed our whole house and stole our TV and computer and all these things. No. So we like made all these claims and we're trying to get Airbnb to replace our items. And I had to... I I spent so many hours on the phone with them and had to like talk to the manager and the manager's manager and submit a police report and it was just a huge huge hassle and a lot of extra stress um it took a long time to actually get that money so <laughs> 
Yes, that is probably up there. I I spoke to someone recently who someone sunk their boat, but that story that you just said is crazy. Sunk their boat. (laughs) Yes. So basically, I'll give you the short story. They have a boat and... I think similar to probably what happens with your place is that originally it was only supposed to be a few people. A massive party turned up. The boat only had a limited amount of people it could take and they ended up sinking it. Um, They did make an Airbnb claim, but apparently the boat didn't have a, what do they call it, a maximum capacity sticker on it or something like that. So they got, they they never got any money because of that. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. (laughs) Yes, no, get your own insurance is probably the, uh, it's probably for the best. I know, to be honest, it's like with any insurance company, like they will try and not pay unless they really have Mm -hmm. to. Um, And that's just the business, I guess, that it is. But um, okay, and to go to the newer cabins, I was having a look at this new one. Tell me a little bit about that because I had a look. It looks beautiful, very modern. Um, What was the thinking? So originally at the first one, that was going well. And then you decided that you kind of wanted to do a collective of cabins. like Yeah. So um, the first one was almost fully booked and we were like, we have 40 acres here. Like what else can we do to utilize this land? Um, but then, you know, we were like looking more into it and we weren't able to build any more on that particular piece of land because it, because of how it was zoned and also because of kind of the history of that piece of land. So we found another piece nearby that was available and we purchased that one um a a 22 acres um new land and um we thought it would be really cool to make ely's first modern scandinavian cabin um just because of the history of ely and um we found a builder who's actually danish and he was a friend of my dad's um so we went through Den Outdoors and got some of their designs because we really, we really, really loved their style. Um, found them on Instagram and were very inspired by the aesthetic. Um, so we built that last summer, and it took us until I think June through February was the build. It went, it went a little bit longer than expected, but we got it done. Um, eventually. (laughs) And then we were able to host our first guests in February. And winter actually was such a fun time. Um, The cabin has these huge, huge windows. So it lets in a lot of solar power and heat and it has in-floor heated floors and like you just like really cozy inside the cabin. But there's all of these trees and snow and nature surrounding you and we provide snowshoe to our guests so they're able to explore the property um, so yeah, it's been really fun. It's about, about six months now, um, hosting people at the new cabin. So we're still kind of like experiencing the cabin with each new season. I'm really excited to see it here in the fall. I was going to say, surely the fall will be super, super mm-hmm. beautiful, no? Cause, uh, yeah, the colors and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And we didn't speak about this, but you just went to, you just went on holiday to Copenhagen, no? Yeah. So did you get to see any houses? Was that a, a look at what the houses look like? Oh my there? gosh. Yeah. I was so inspired by the architecture there. Um, and just all of their sustainable building practices and, um, just, so so beautiful i mean so much greenery and plant life and nature especially for being in a city and then also all of the natural playgrounds that's another passion of my husband and i is just like being outside in nature and using what you have and moving your body and playing um so yeah i really enjoyed copenhagen nice so there's some inspiration for whatever's whatever's next the next property in the collective because i've never been to copenhagen but i know some people who have and like you said, apparently it's very beautiful. Yes, my camera roll is just full of photos of buildings in Copenhagen that I'm like sending to my builder. Can you build this next? <laughs> nice. So are, are there actually plans to kind of expand and kind of build out from, because you've got three properties at the moment? Yeah, so the 22 acres, we cleared the build site for the second modern cabin. Um, so we wanted yep. to just take this summer off because my builder needed a little break and um, just to move a little bit more slowly and see how this new modern one went. But it's actually been killing it, like fully booked this whole summer. Um, 
So it's looking really good, and we're ready to build the second modern cabin next summer. Okay, nice. And I've always wondered this: what what was, what's some of the differences between, I guess, renovating and kind of building from scratch? Did you like what was your thinking in terms of was it a really big difference? I guess when you're building new, you have more flexibility, but like, yeah, how how different was that? Yeah, I think.、Um, You're exactly right. Building new, it was nice because you were able to make every decision intentionally with it being a short-term rental in mind. So just like thinking about the guest experience and how many closets you need, and like what's the best flow, and where are people going to like hang out and spend their time.、Um, so it was really nice to be able to just like start from square one, knowing what the space was going to be used for.、Um, But I will say, with our renovation, since it was kind of a blank slate log cabin, it wasn't. It hadn't been previously like plumbed or electrical. It wasn't really like an old building that we had to rehab. It was kind of just like, here's a here's like a shelter,、um, and、yeah. make it what you want. So I think that was a lot easier for us. I've I follow some other cabin hosts on Instagram. And they were trying to take an old cabin and like completely redo it, and it seemed like they uncovered a lot of problems as they went. So that seems like a whole nother challenge. Yes, no, that's definitely、uh, something where I've heard. I think I don't know if this was your experience, but I feel like a lot of the time this happens, even with websites, is you think it's going to take a certain amount of time, and then always something comes up. Was it quite easy in terms of? You didn't find anything too crazy, or was there anything that came up which you're like, oh? Yeah.、Um, well, I will say with the new build, it takes way longer than you think it will take.、Um, yeah, our plan、yeah. was to be done with that by October, and it、um, stretched into February, which caused all sorts of like additional issues being in Minnesota with the winter and the cold. Yeah.、Um, so. Yeah, I mean, being in Minnesota, the winter just causes all sorts of challenges. With, with the log cabin, we hadn't initially、um, like planned to rent it out in the winter, and then when we we did the whole summer, we realized people loved it, and then in the fall, we were like, oh my gosh, like this is going well. Let's make it winter ready, and then it was just scrambling again. <laughs> But the nice thing is that we were able to just kind of like. Move slowly and like take each project kind of in little chunks as it came with the log cabin renovations. Okay, nice because yeah, I think I'm I'm still the U.S. is a really big country. I'm still really <laughs> getting used to because at the moment I'm in New Jersey, everyone's favorite state. But、um, in New Jersey, you don't like New Jersey, New York. The weather it gets cold, but it's not. Super, super cold. Like I guess it gets in Minnesota or places that are further up north. So, how easy is it to take a log cabin and kind of winterproof it? Because you said you decided kind of in the fall to do it. Is it quite a quick process? Because I'm assuming there's a number of steps you have to do to get to that. Yeah,、point. New Jersey,、um, the Garden State. I just flew back from there this morning, and at 4 a.m. I had a flight out of New York. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest airport on the planet. Yeah, it wasn't so bad, but I actually I think Minneapolis is the best airport in in the states. So if you haven't been to the Minneapolis airport, you have to make a trip.、Um, <laughs> but to answer your question about winterizing, okay, so there there are quite a few steps because you have to think about your plumbing. Um, like that's the number one. How are you going to keep your pipes from freezing? So for、yeah. us. We had to get heat heat tape coming from our well, and then also going out to our septic. So coming in and going out,、um, how do you keep your water lines from freezing?、Um, and then we also have like a little vented propane heater under. Well, we had to build a a skirting crawl space underneath the cabin because our cabin was kind of elevated on stilts, and there was a lot of like wind blowing under. So we built out a crawl space、uh, just with plywood and then insulation, and then we have it heated under there, and that、um, helps keep kind of like the the waste lines from freezing. And then that's also nice because it helps keep all of your heat from escaping, so it's more energy efficient.、Um, and then, I mean, those are kind of the basics. There's there's a lot more, but. 
<laughs> I bet, I bet. Because how cold does it get in, like, say, let's say an average, an average day, and then we'll go to the extreme of like what's the coldest you've ever yeah. seen? Yeah. Okay. So I would say like an average winter day is probably like twenty to thirty degrees Fahrenheit, but then. Some of the extreme temps are negative, negative 35 degrees Fahrenheit we saw, <laughs> I think, last year. Yeah. Well, you you all can't see Jared, but <laughs> he's holding, he's holding his heart out. and he's almost fainting. <laughs> um, yes, that is cold. <laughs> yeah. So we actually had to put plastic on all of our windows because we just have one propane heater in the log cabin and our guests were saying... Like we were getting messages. We have the heat turned up all the way to seventy five. Like it's it's only fifty in here. What's going on? So we realized that our windows weren't that efficient. So we put plastic on and that was a huge help. And then the cabin was able to stay at seventy, seventy five, even on those negative thirty five days. Nice. And I got to ask this. How do you manage I've always wondered this. How do you survive those kind of weathers? <laughs> I did minus 15 once in New York, and I was like, never, ever. That's in Celsius. Uh, I don't know what it was in Fahrenheit. I don't, I'm still learning Fahrenheit, but it was so cold that you, you don't even want to go outside. But I guess you grew up in this, right? This is Yeah, I grew to. up in it, but I'm still not used to it. <laughs> I, I would say how you manage it is you just like stay inside, you're cozy, you're by the fire. I think that's why cabin culture is so popular in Minnesota in the winter. And then you also plan trips to warm places. So that's how you get through yeah. the winter. <laughs> no, um, for me, I, was, I grew up in London and it rained a lot. So I try and avoid places, although I was living somewhere where it barely ever rains and then when it did rain it was actually nice but in general i don't know if you've ever been to london mm -hmm. but there's just like a constant drizzle yep and i'll tell people in the summer it will be they'll ask me oh when's a good time to go to london i'll be like oh no you might go and it's i think there's a heat wave there at the moment where it's in like 30 degrees and then you might go there in the middle of the summer and you never see the sun so um, yeah, yes. I lived in London for two months for a study abroad program. It was in January and February. And I just remember being so cold the whole time because I was always wet. So I think I yeah. prefer the predictability of just the neg like the cold temperatures. And I know how to bundle up and stay warm in that. Like I don't know how to stay warm when I'm soaking wet. So <laughs> that is true. Also, I guess the good thing for you is you have three properties that you can go to. It's nice and cozy fireplace. And, you know, yes, I, I, <laughs> I can understand. Um, I know a few people who would love your place because they like the, the cold and they like the coziness. And I was looking at some of the pictures of your place and it does just look like the kind of place that like when it's getting dark really early, you're just like, yeah, well, we'll just put the fire on, maybe put a good film on or something like that. So, no, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Like um, that cabin, that cabin cozy feeling. I think it's just even more fitting in the winter. It's just perfect cozy, cozy cabin vibes. No, for sure. I think. Actually, funny enough, this is only a recent thing, actually. I've been working with a lot of people who have cabins and A-frames. I think I'm tempted to build a cabin yeah. at some point. It was never <laughs> on my radar ever. I was like, I want a beach house somewhere or something like that. And now I'm like, maybe it's just uh, the fact that like, I just think there's something so cozy about it, so nice. I know a lot of people who have it as like, kind of like a second home. And you, they'll live in the city. Um, we work with quite a few people from upstate New York. And then they'll go to their cabins like on the weekend. And I love cities, but they can be super stressful and there's no place to escape people. Whereas like cabins, like I'm assuming your place, like where they're located, if you don't want to see anyone, you just don't see Yeah, them. that's kind of the nice thing. Um, so Minnesota has over 11,000 lakes. It's the land of all the lakes. So a lot of people associate cabins with a lake and they always ask us, what lake are you on? But we're actually not on a lake. Um, we're on 40 acres. Like we're on a lot of land and we prefer that because a lot of the lakes um, have public access. So you can just go to the lake when you want to, but um, it's much nicer having more privacy. I think that's a, a, a nice added benefit. Yeah, I think honestly, truthfully, I probably prefer, I guess there must be good reasons to have a lake or property near a lake. But I think what I think about cabins is kind of very secluded. You go there because you just want some escape. You want to be in nature and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it sounds, 
it sounds perfect so uh yeah and you said so the plan is next year is going to be the new the new cabin um is it going to be it's going to be on the same area as the the modern one that you just yep so next summer we'll build the new modern cabin um it's going to be called borealis so our first modern cabin is called aurora so they're going to be kind of like sister partners um for the aurora borealis the northern lights which if you're lucky you'll get to see them when you're in ely um ely is one of the dark sky sanctuaries so it's a really good place to do some good stargazing um but yeah we're working with our architect right now and we're just playing with some really fun and creative ideas so i think um, all of our cabins will be unique and that's one of the really fun parts about it nice and you've just put ely on my bucket list now because i've on my bucket list very high up is to see the Mm -hmm. northern lights i'm kind of in a bit of a situation because i hate the cold (laughs) But it's kind. Of, I feel like it's impossible to see the northern lights without being. You cold, can sometimes so. see them in the summer. It's not as common as winter, but it has happened before. So how likely is like how often do you get it? In um, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's probably not. It's not even once a month, but it. I don't know. It varies. It varies so much. It feels like it's more common in the last couple of years i don't know if that has anything to do with global warming or if it's just coincidence <laughs> nice okay well hey either way uh, when the next giveaway is on i am ready yes. my email <laughs> list i've got the uh friends i'm gonna message everyone i know <laughs> and tell them hey get on it perfect well hey thank you for for coming on for for people if they want to find you and the the properties what's the the best way to yep you can find us on instagram ely cabin collective or our website is ely cabin collective okay nice perfect well again thank you for coming on i think you gave some great advice about uh direct bookings but also just i guess about what the experience of building cabins are in general i think a lot of people I think people are finding it a lot more attractive. So, yes, yes I think this episode, people are really going to enjoy Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared. It was fun to chat with you.